covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're from. Welcome into the latest edition of the Inside the Walls podcast. And boy, oh boy, we do have a little bit of time before the championship, but surely we still have to go back and talk about that semifinal weekend, that semifinal Saturday on really the second to last edition of Wednesday Rewind of the 2022 season. Zach Common in here, as always, hosting in the chair alongside my good buddy pal co-host all the way down in jacksonville florida jim mernier himself jim hey i know we got that two weeks till the championship but uh mm-hmm. have you uh have you call you gotten uh your bearings on what you witnessed on saturday i mean pretty exciting slate of games um one in particular in Albany, new york was right down to the wire it was a you can say it's a coming out party in carolina uh, the return of Bain, um, mm-hmm. just solidifying my opinion that he is the MVP of the league because he proved it again this week. Um, and in Albany, we had a shootout between two teams that are even. Still, they're even teams. Uh, last two ga- games were combined two points. And congrats, Albany. You guys won the game. Um, but the stars showed out on both sides. Albany could not cover Rob Jones and Naquan Murray. Jacksonville could not cover Darius Prince or Dwayne Hollis. Um, exactly what arena football is supposed to be. Uh, Castro and Arvell both had great games. Um, the deciding factor was a field goal kicker, um, Mar- Marco Grosco with a two-point deuce at the end of the game. Um, I'm not going to be like a lot of Shark fans out there that said, well, Albany had the you know favor of the time clock. Um, I did watch the game. There were questionable spots, but it's not where you're like, oh, you got to review that. No. Um, but still, hell merit at the end of the game to get the game within one point. Um, talking to a couple of colleagues of mine about the game, and basically that we all had the same assumptions. It was the Jacksonville Shark season, back and forth all year, ups and downs, and you saw that in that game. But Albany escaped with the win. Um, but overall, it was a great game. Albany did, did what they did. They got the W. Coach Manosk, I can tip my hat to that coaching organization. And that team, they did what they did and won. Um, but, yeah, if you looked at the chat rooms and stuff during the game, it was pretty funny. Um, Shark fans were making some nice jibs towards Albany fans. Some are kind of, uh, I think, are because we Shark fans hold this league to a high standard and Albany's didn't just, you know, show it a little bit. But overall, on the game on the field, was incredible. I'm talking about the fans in the stands. That was one of the only things that disappointed me this past week in both games. Mm. I was expecting more people in the stands. Um, so that was a jib to the Sharks. That's what. That's when you know when your season's over, you start attacking attendance. And I wasn't attacking attendance. Like My job was to cover the game, watch the game, see how the game was going, see how the game was played. And then Jackson, that game was incredible. Now in, in Carolina, um, Columbus got a fast start. Um, and just could not get out of their own way in the second half. And Albany and, and Bain, DJ Myers, Kendrick Ings. It was everything that we said about the Carolina Co- uh, Carolina Cobra, excuse me, for almost, almost calling the Panthers. I held myself uh, from what we said all season long about the Cobras came out in that game. Uh, Coach Resinal has done a great job to keep that team together. 
of through the thick and thin with injuries, a couple of players out a couple of weeks and being out a couple of weeks and coming back. Um, therefore, they're a, they're a force. And when they're healthy, when everyone's on that field, they're I think they only have lost one game. And I think that was in Columbus ever since then. They've won every game they played when everyone's on the field. Um, but overall, it was a crazy weekend. Um, congratulations to the Albany Empire. Congratulations to the Carolina Cobras. Round four of that matchup. Uh, it's, it's a size of one. Yes, Caroline did sweep Albany, but Albany wins this one. They have the, the bragging rights. And if Caroline wins it, I think they'll be the first team in the NAL history to do a gentleman sweep of a team. And I don't care who you are, what fan base you are, what league you are. It's hard to beat the team twice. It's hard to beat the team three times. It's going to be very hard to beat the team four times. Um, and, of course, if you know, I'm from Jackson. We have history of listening to a team three times, Tennessee. Um, but overall, <laughs> it was a great weekend. Uh, the NL production, both uh, crews, um, uh, guys and his crew, great doing back-and-forth commentary with the fans. Uh, it was really present. And, of course, the guys in Oklahoma, uh, Carolina did very – they were they were actually going back and forth with the fans, like dropping jokes left and right. It was pretty cool. It's pretty nice how the two broadcasting crews brought the fans into the game. But overall, it was a great weekend, in my opinion. But besides, I can't really hate. Yeah, my Sharks lost, but we made the playoffs, and we gave it our all to a team that's very loaded without our number one weapon. Yes, Devin Wilson is our number one weapon. We didn't have him, and we lost by one point. Um, but that's not an excuse, but still, it just gives you tip the credit to the Jackson Sharks and their performance, and it gives credit to the Albany fans and the Albany team of holding on to win that game because Jacksonville gave them all. And I've said last week and I said two weeks ago, I really wanted to play Albany again. I would see how that how the two teams affair, and basically they did the same what they did in week three, even. <laughs> so it was a fun get a fun weekend. Um, but overall, uh, very intriguing. Um, and later in the show, I want to like. Basically, I want to like tell you who I think are going to win the awards because those awards are coming up pretty soon um, at the NAL championship, the the Friday before the NAL championship. So I'm going to say who I think will be the certain board members. Um, we're not going to give them all. I'm not going to give them all. Month. Like one notable Iron Man, Player of the Year, Coach of the I Year. Mean, yeah, we can, we can do Iron Man MVP, but, offensive and defensive. But, but our, think- our, our voices don't mean anything. We're only two people. <laughs> like there's a lot oh, of people. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people and, that vote officially on this. We, yeah, we only so. have. We have a smidgen of the vote, so yeah. But overall, I just want to say, especially the Jacksonville organization, hell of a year, roller coaster of a year. To the fans of Jacksonville, love you, support you, come back next year. Especially to uh, Columbus again, we are good friends with Josh Blair and uh, Jason Gibson of the Columbus Lions and that organization. All yep. the respect to them. All respect to uh, Mason Espinosa, who uh, mean just forewarning, ladies and gentlemen, Mason will have a lot more appearances on this show. But it's just going to be a different variety, like a little 30-second, five-minute thing about inside in the ring of football, like something. We're going to try and work something out and have him on the show as a as a third co-host. Um, yeah. But overall, I enjoyed the weekend. It's what the playoffs means. Your passion goes aligned to your logic. Like for me, I really wanted my Sharks to win. But back back in your mind, you got to realize you got to look at the game. Um, both teams on the field, both all four teams um, had different narratives in both games. And it was incredible. So, yeah. Albany, Carolina, round four. Whoever thought 
<laughs> well, I mean, hey, you look, you dive straight full bore into both of them. I, I was going to see where this goes. So, I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be frank with you with both of these. I mean, I, I kind of, you, if you start off that first quarter, for example, we go to, we'll, we'll flip over to Carolina first. You, you start that first quarter off. Um, you know, Jonathan Bain. You know, he comes back. You know, they it had been talked all week. You know, didn't know about the status. Obviously, if you if folks remember. He was suspended. He's on the suspended list. That doesn't mean he can't come back. You just have to rearrange your roster. Mm-hmm. So if you saw the transactions and I posted them up on to the Facebook group that most of you that listen in are on Grady gets put on IR Bain gets pushed over onto the active roster. Thus Jonathan Bain being healthy now, ever since his injury against San Antonio, he is now able to play. So that was, again, he's able to rejoin. No one opposed it in the league. So mm-hmm. He's able to be freely coming back on. Tommy Gray says sit, has to sit on short-term IR for basically the rest of the year is what happens there. And you know what? At the beginning, I was kind of worried where this game was going to go because he did throw an interception on his first drive. Now, credit mm-hmm. credit the Cobras defense for slowing down the Lions because they did have to only give up a field goal. And they did get a score the next drive. What was the crucial moment in this contest that flipped the momentum back was a gutsy onside kick call by the Cobras. T.C. Stevens laying one perfectly up where it's a nice bounce, gets that 10-yard range, and I believe it was Evans that came down with it. Oh, DJ. It was DJ? It was DJ Myers. Yeah, right on the boards. That's right. Well, I knew that's right. It was on the boards. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's correct. So Myers comes down (laughs) with it, gets a quick score. Of course, they come right back, get a nice running. It, it proceeds to start the first of three straight running touchdowns in in that swing. And really, the Cobras just didn't look back. That that honestly, that gutsy mm-hmm. play, you know, I, I think it was just kind of a momentum boost to like get these guys back in the game. Like, hey guys, look, you know, now we got it back on our side. Let's go play the ball we know. And I think that's if I had to guess what Coach Rez was doing at that moment when they got the lead back, I think that's exactly what happened. Because after that, it felt like Mason and crew were pretty much harassed the rest of this game. And it felt like anything that the Cobras did, they were almost untouchable after that first few series of getting like Mm -hmm. the jitters or getting, I guess the slight rust off of Bain's shoulders, you know, for being away for a bit. But I mean, he had some dimes in, in this game. There was, there's one particular pass to Kendrick Gings. They believe in the second quarter, you know, he's covered really damn well by Maurice Leggett. We know Leggett's an awesome cover man for the for the Lions. He's done a great job this year, done a great job in several years in the arena game. And I mean, Bain laid that thing in right over the fingertips of Leggett, right at Kendrick Gings. Perfectly placed ball. It had an insane zip. It's what you expect from Jonathan Bain, where he does that fast gunslinging throw. Dude's mm-hmm. back. So he's definitely geared up. You know, that this was a gear up game. Uh, I think you're going to get you know, he's fully healthy. He's, he's ready to play that, that, that was no shadow. There's no uh, shadow of a doubt there whatsoever. Um, and I think that if you are a Cobras fan, you got to be happy. You know, it's been a roller coaster for the course for that final quarter of the season. You know, Malik Henry did a great job anchoring the ship, you know, even with Tommy Grady coming in for support and they had to put him back in. They're here now. They got their, their field commander back on the turf right at the right time and they're hitting gears right at the right time again too. defense came in clutch again as well. Like I said, the, with Mason Espinosa being there and having a few weeks under his belt, I was really impressed again, just how well they slowed down what the lions want to do consistently in receivers faces, consistently in Mason's face, uncomfortable for roughly 
three and a half to three quarters. Mm-hmm. It just felt like the Cobras were smothering once they got their gear back in back in order and they got the lead. It was lights out. Yeah, you noticed that it was very noticeable uh, in the game because there was plays where Mason had open receivers and he saw the open receivers, but the pressure was in his face. He was thrown ducks to the sort of like to the feet or behind the receivers. Like they were a couple plays where he, uh, when I say it was the end of the second quarter going to halftime, he had a receiver wide open in the end zone for a two point conversion and he almost spiked into the end zone because. Uh, I want to say it's either Lloyd was right there about the tackle or it was Brown that was coming right through. Um, that that front five was giving Mason no time. And mm-hmm. you didn't see that a couple of weeks ago when they when Columbus went back there a couple of weeks ago and was doing doing work on Carolina. They bounced back. Uh, Carolina's defense, um, especially in Jacksonville last week of the year, stepped up in the second half. and They did in this game, too. And when you have a quarterback like Mason Espinosa not feel comfortable back there, you're doing work. And that doesn't get that just tells you how good Darian um Darian, Darian Townsend is because he was getting open while Mason was just getting frustrated. And Darian was battling like uh, he had a couple of catches, I think on Lance and a couple on Joe Powell. I'm like, Whew. oh yeah. God, he he's lethal. Um, I mean, it, I, mean, I mean, Darian had his still got his catch, still got his touches. I mean, he got his touches, 121 yeah. yards, three TDs. It's hard to stop him. You just got to be able to, you know, he can't get it's like kind of like Darius Prince in Albany. When mm-hmm. you think of that, you know, you can't let him be the own be that force that takes over yeah. the game. You have to be able to, you know, who else proves their worth because he's going to get his touches. So that's exactly what happened. You look at the rest of it. I mean, Forston had had three TDs. Um, but like guys, I mean, they didn't have Desmond Reese there. We learned later. So that yeah. was obviously a target that was sorely missed um, and really couldn't have that third person that could step up. So, you know, you, <laughs> you do just enough to get in the QB's face and you can kind of limit some of the opportunities, you know, for any of that third, fourth of receiver options to kind of break open, then, you know, you're able to kind of maintain what you want mm-hmm. in the secondary, you know, like, for Carolina, I mean, as we've talked all year, I mean, they got a plethora of guys they can throw to. I mean, just look at the stat sheet list, you, you know. Now, credit, they didn't have to rely as much on that. They got turnovers and running TDs as well to anchor them in the first half. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you have four dudes that got that caught touchdown passes. The only one that caught multiple TDs was Kendrick Gings. Otherwise, yeah. Adam Smith, that long ball that was, that was in the second half there, beautiful mm-hmm. pass from Jonathan Bain. You know, that was after that a turnover. Mm-hmm. That was, was right a after a turnover. Nice throw, and he know? threw a dime, and he caught it right there in front of Resinola. And I saw Resinola like do the biggest Tiger Wood fist pump. I'm like, you knew he called that play, and it opened up just perfectly. And you saw Resinola just go. Bah! I was like, yeah, I, mean, I mean, if that if that zinger wow. if that zinger to Ings I mentioned didn't get you excited as a Cobras yeah. fan, I think that one alone goes okay. I have he is fully back. That is mm-hmm. definitely the Jonathan Bain I remember from the from the most majority of this season. So, and again, they have so many options at receiver. You know, it's hilarious to think Adam Smith even threw a touchdown pass this year, and you know there he is catching a dime downfield. Joel Powell, you know, as well. Like we're talking, DJ Myers who didn't even get a TD. Well, he got one TD catch, but like, you know, again. None of these guys got really except Adam Smith on that long ball because of that. None of them got over 50 yards over three catches and such. It's just, they can get you in so many ways, you know? Yeah. And also with DJ, yeah, he may not have got the touchdowns. He got crucial first down catches. He got that onside kick, but he Mm -hmm. did a lot of his, uh, um, you can say 
destruction as the Mac. He was mm-hmm. getting, he was, because his size, it's very hard to, for a quarterback to lob a pass or get a short route when you have a, a receiver that size where they're playing a Mac. They're like, oh, for okay, sure. yeah, I can't, I can't do that. But yeah, D, every one of those players had a potential. Like a one thing I've, I noticed that you won't see in Albany is the the lack of the deuce and the special teams in Carolina because they use a different football. Um, but TC did do very well. What's crucial is that, yeah, you aren't kicking deuces, but the onside kicks that were in this game were just ridiculous. How Columbus got, a, got an onside kick and Carol and Caroline did one too. It was, I know it's, it's very, it's more better of a chance in the NAL than the outdoor game to get onside kicks, but I don't remember the last time I seen two, uh, onside kicks in the same game get recovered by the receiving team. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I don't think I've ever, I mean, it's, there was like two, there were two onside kicks in this game that, you know, I felt it was so night and day, you know, mm-hmm. Erickson had, Erickson had a first of another of multiple attempts where, you know, thing didn't even go five, it went maybe five yards. The whole yeah. lines passed the ball and it's just a quick flip of possession, you know? Yeah. It happens. It's just unfortunate. Just couldn't get the right spin on the ball or really the right angle to yeah. make it bounce. You know, I was gonna say I mean, the Carolinas onside kick was more of a clutch kick, mm-hmm. and when Columbus did theirs, they were down like four scores or three and a half scores. So Carolina may have been, you know, expecting it but not really going to be aggressive towards it. Right. But the second time the onside kick happened, they were ready for it. And they, well, that, like, and that one was that one was so early in the contest, you know, like I yeah. said, I mean, they got it. Like I said, they got a nice stop to force a field goal from Erickson that he punched a really a cheap shot in or a, not a cheap shot, a chip shot in. And then, you know, they got it. They got to score back down the opposite way that, like I said, that onside really just, that was the momentum shifter that just solidified Again. Carolina to keep going. That, that That's mm-hmm. really what did it. You know, no, no break all gas pedal and yeah. it's led them here. And you have the Cobra squad to me, that looks like the one from week one, which is pretty, like I said, if you're a Cobras fan, the last like four ish weeks of the season, you got to feel pretty good that you're going to championship looking like this right now. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing is you don't get to host uh, and Hey, you know, longer season had some stumbles on the way, but you know what? You still get that number two seed thing is though, you get to go to Albany, which, mm-hmm. You know, credit, they got three games. As you said, though, it is hard to beat a team four times. Now, what really, really stands out with this Empire game, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, Jacksonville, I was wondering how close this was going to be with Arvell in. And you know what? For a duration of it, you know, it kind of, the first half played out kind of how Albany's been getting wins as of late. That goal line stand late in the second quarter really I thought was going to flip it to where we would see Albany get the possession battles to where they mm-hmm. could coast away. And I mean, give credit to that defense. Nick, Nick, like they had to, they stopped two, three straight runs up the middle for the, from Anthony, call, John- yeah. yeah, from Anthony Johnson. I mean, yeah, they stopped still great D line stand. Cause honestly with that short a yard, a distance and the size that Johnson is, you should be able to punch it in. They did mm-hmm. a great job holding their front, their front five. What really was awesome. And I, I do question the play call still from this. Nonetheless, excellent job reading on the defense there because that I was going to say some that reverse could have gone for a TD if you have a defense biting on that run again. Luckily, mm-hmm. you have you have some folks in that secondary. Nick Hag and company read that one, locked it down, and finished that playoff for a three-yard loss. 
And that flipped the script for the second half. Now I'll tell you one thing that helped with the sharks. And this is really, it made it a lot closer than I, I thought was that you have one interception that flips it along with some deuces. Thanks to Mm -hmm. Nick Belcher. And it made for one heck of a finish, but something in Albany has been uh, really doing a good job with this season is honestly, I mean, their, de- their offense, after they got things figured out with Mike Faithful after week one, Sam Castronova, as we've talked all year, this is not the same Sam Castronova you saw in Carolina, which is kind of ironic how these two are facing off with each other, you know, him Again. being on one pre- yeah, previous, I mean, credit, yes, it's fourth time for these teams. I just find it funny, Sam gets to go against his former team once more. Um, but I'll tell you, dude has played out of his mind. I mean, eight touchdowns by himself, either running or throwing himself Mm -hmm. that crucial two point conversion to help push the score to where it was. Cause honestly, you look how that game finished, you know, that hail Mary to Arvell, you know, if things are, if that two pointer is not there, it comes down to that, that other two point conversion Mm -hmm. at that point. And also crucial kicks from Marco Roscoe. And I'll tell you, right. For someone that had missed a good chunk of time, Empire fans could not be happier to see Mark score those two deuces late in that contest. Four-point swing, it's what good special teams does for you. Albany's got a lot well, true. of... Mm-hmm. That's a true. The four-point swing for Albany did, but you got to look on the other side. Jacksonville had two field, two-point conversions. Mm-hmm. There was a four-points right there that they would have got those two-point conversions. That two-point conversion that was made at the end of the game would have been for the win. Oh, it would have. So, um, so it was an even game. It's like, but that goal line stand in the second quarter, uh, don't know what Jackson, I don't know what Burley was thinking, running a fullback dive straight down the middle when Brandon Cisse's there. Like, mm-hmm. you, like it's like in the NFL running the ball to Aaron Donald. What are you doing? Don't run the ball to Aaron. He's going to blow you up. Right. And you got, and you got Nick Hag right behind him. Like, there's no way you're getting that. And they ran that play three, like three times. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, do something different. Ar- Arvell, do a bootleg like he did against San Antonio. Do something unique. Um, but you got to give credit to Nick Hag, um, Brandon Cisse, Dwayne Hollis. That defense in that second quarter stood up to get that two-possession lead. Um, but you got to give credit to Jacksonville. They got the turnovers in the second half. That whole third quarter, basically the third quarter and a half to fourth, it was all in Jacksonville's favor because they were crawling back as the game was progressing. While uh, Morosco was missing deuces, but then he get Morosco hit a crucial deuce at the end of the game that determined the game and that two point conversion. They mm-hmm. made the clutch play at the end, which Jacksonville couldn't do early in the game. Um, but there were a lot of crucial moments, like you had uh, Sam Castronova scramble um, over there for the two point conversion. If he would have got hit and sacked, we're talking about overtime. Um, but he again made plays with his feet again just like he did in Jacksonville in week three or week four. I forgot when he did that. And threw it to a wide-open receiver. Um, Sam has the – like a lot of people in, 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 in any football, you want to give credit to the quarterback. Like the quarterback does everything. But it's a team game. You guys see your oh, yeah. defense. Like there's some teams out there, even in the National Football League, where their defense is elite and their offense is okay. For instance, the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars, elite defense. Their offense, eh, because it's Blake Boros. And that defense carried him. The defense for Albany carried him for halfway through the season because of the, you know, the turmoil of how the game the season was going. But Sam Castronova, when he's on, he's one, he's the best or one of the best players in the game. And he did that this game against a, I, 
you, you can say arguably maybe a, the second half MVP and Arvell Nelson, how he just turned the Jackson organization around. Um, you got to give credit because that game, it, it was two teams coming in that game with two different type of mindsets. Jacksonville lost a crucial home game to Carolina and was going to Albany and Albany clinched the you know, home field. Mm-hmm. And it was just the best versus the best. Is Jacksonville a better team? As you can tell, Jacksonville is a much improved team than the first time they played them. And it came down to missed two-point conversions, made deuces, key turnovers, and crucial stops. There were stops in that in the first and second quarter. I thought as a Sharks fan, oh, this is going to be a runaway. Then the second half, Jacksonville was getting stopped. And Cashnova threw a bad interception. I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to turn the game. And, of course, the next play, Arbel throws a 40-some-yard bomb to – Nyquan Murray, who was wide open. No one was around him. The closest guy in the was like 10 yards. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. this is this is an interesting game. Go for two. They got the two-point conversion. All of a sudden, it's a three-point game. I'm like, oh, fourth quarter is going to be enter- entertaining. And it just got better in the fourth quarter. And it came down to back and forth. Jackson took the lead. Albany took the lead. Jackson took the lead. And it came down to Roscoe and that two-point conversion by um, Sam Castanova at the end of the game that solidified because – Jacksonville just needed 0.1 seconds left on the clock, and they could have tied it at the end with the deuce. Um, that was the thing that was going through the narrative last of that game. Does Jacksonville get a chance to kick the deuce? No, the time yeah, ran out. Well, that's the thing. You can't. I know some people were wondering that, but here's you can't change possession if there's no time. That Correct. that the the whole purpose of that is if you have time to give possession back, mm-hmm. which they just simply couldn't move the ball fast enough down the field to even get the deuce off. Correct. So you know it. That's the, I mean, thing is with close games like this, split second moments comes down to the wire arena. Generally, it's funny because like, you know, we talk about how like 20 seconds in arena is like forever. It really is. It just felt like this time, you know, Albany was able to slow him down just enough, you Mm -hmm. know, and and honestly, I'll even be frank, like that, that Hail Mary, you could argue it's like, dang, how does that even happen in the first place? But, you know, the, the Empire defense did just enough in the second half, even after that Solomon interception kind of flipped things back to where it was kind of mm-hmm. back and forth, you know, the empire got back in their favor with that deuce and also with that two point conversion, you know, and they handled things just as they need. And I'll tell you, even like, even that interception, you know, I both QBs had a hell of a night. And I I'll say this right now to you folks out there, when I look for a good arena football game and, and some people may argue different, if you want, I'm going to hold my ground on this. That's what I want out of arena football. That's the game I want to watch every week. The 60 plus point both sides. You don't know what the hell's going to happen. It's a minute left on the clock, but you still can't guarantee a win's going to mm-hmm. ha- going to be in your favor. That's the game I look for. That's good arena football. Well, yeah. stands, stands, of course, the Nets. I'm just saying for what we have today, that is good arena football. Ladies and gentlemen, you should look for games like that. And that is a standard for what the NAL should look for. Good, high-quality competition with stars on both sides. Also, I want to give credit where credit is due. This, this, these people have been bashed all season. I think this weekend's games by the referees in both games mm-hmm. was the best officiated games of the season. Like, I watched both games. There were really no crucial bad calls or flagship and thrown flagship up and throw. Well-officiated games. The games went smoothly. Instant replay went smoothly in both games. There was nothing that slow down the action. I just want to give the credit to the refs uh, because you need your best crews out there for the biggest games in the year. And mm-hmm. both fan bases 
All four fan bases can't point at the refs that the refs did this, the refs did that. No. These games actually came down to did your team do what it needed to do to win the game? Only two teams did. The other two are going home. Or they're already home, but the other two are going to the championship game. So hats off to Clarkson and the uh, referee crews this weekend. I'll give you one instance that I was really impressed. And I know it was it's actually a really crucial moment during that contest with Albany, with Jacksonville and Albany mm-hmm. was the fan interference call. And I know no one likes to see those calls. I get it, mm-hmm. but you got to give that crew credit because they looked at every angle and you could tell that there was a hit. They mm-hmm. did see that. And I, I mean, I know some people go, no, that's bogus, but I'm telling you there were enough angles. That was a nice call. You know, it added attention to the game later on, but you know, to me, that's good officiating. You know, they did their due diligence. Was that in Carolina? No, that was in Albany. That was in Albany? Yeah. Remember, it was a Marvin Ross picked it off the board. Oh, okay. That would have oh, ended they had, it. They had, they had a similar one in uh, in Carolina, but that hit off of a, a fan. Uh, mm-hmm. hit, it hit off off the um, the pad, not the player's hand. So it happened in both games. So, yeah, yeah. sorry that I didn't I, I just, you, but I thought yeah, you were like, but yeah, Clarkson's cool in Carolina. I mean, Joe Clarkson, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. he's first off the officiate, head officiating for the league, but he does a, I always think he does a great job when he goes mm-hmm. and does Carolina games. And the crew that was in Albany, I thought did a really solid job for, for the, at least the atmosphere and for the tension in the, this game in the second half, you know, they held their cool. They made the right calls. They reviewed plays. I felt very thoroughly to where that was for ones that were very important in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's expected, you know, like I said, the, the league, the league has been trying to improve that aspect for sure. And I, I'm glad we brought it up in a good sense this week. Um, Cause I mean, they're, they are, they, you know, they saw what happened early, some stuff yeah. happened early this year and you know, they're, they've worked things out is what I felt. So um looking to see the same thing in the championship. I expect nothing less, you know, it'll be, it should be hopefully the best crew in the league out there. Um, But yeah. It was good stuff. And, and like I said, it didn't affect the game. These were good football games. You know, I, I, I agree with you completely. And I'm glad you brought that up, Jim. That was a good nod. Yeah. It's a good nod. I got to give them love. They've been bashed all season. This is the best they've done all year. And you got to give credit where credit's due. Just mm-hmm. saying. Totally get it. Totally get it. Folks, I'm going to say this for me and Jim. We're not going to make our picks yet because we have a massive slate of championship lead up shows that we're doing. We want to save it for our final walkthrough. So don't expect us to give early picks just yet because we mm-hmm. want to talk to all we want to talk to all facets of the team. So let's kind of break down. Here's we got a lot of shows like this is the busiest two weeks we'll have all season in terms of interviews and discussions between Carolina and Albany folks. So uh, some ones that we can confirm right now, uh, you're going to get conversations with both head coaches. So Coach Josh Resignal and Coach Tom Manas, both are going to get their own episodes. We'll be talking with them in one-on-one conversations uh, with their about their season and leading up to the 2022 NAL championship game. We're also going to be talking with a player from each side of this spectrum. Right now, we're going to be talking with Kendrick Ings for Carolina. As of this recording, we're still debate, we're still looking to see who we want, who we're going to be talking to with Albany, but we can promise you it's going to be one of the top players on that team from this season. So you'll definitely not want to miss miss out on that conversation. We're also going to be talking with Jeff Levesque, who is the president of the Albany Empire. So 
we will be having him on the show. And Jim uh, already knows he's got a little conversation he's got to do with him. If you uh, want to go back to a recent, the last show we had with him, you might want to check something we got to discuss. I'm not going to lead too much on the line, but just saying that's going to be coming up here when we do that talk. Uh, should be a should be fun. It should be a fun, lighthearted one, yeah. along with discussing the season. Let's, let's just say I live up to my reputation. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you might be wondering, hey, why is uh, why is there only two Carolina episodes? And well, if you remember, Coach Resinal is kind of the do it all guy. Remember, he's a he's head coach. He's the general mm-hmm. manager. He also part owns the Cobras. So we're kind of getting the face of the Cobras in there. Basically, the face that's not say a Rob Storm. That's right. going to be stopping on this show. So, I mean, co- what can we say? Co- Coach Rezanow has been a, and, and Tom and Austin company. These two teams have supported us greatly throughout the season. We can't thank them enough. And we're excited to do this massive series of interviews. Honestly, I know some of you wanted to hear us talk to Kendrick Ng. So Kendrick's excited to come on the show. We just, I actually just talked with him before we got on for this recording. He's looking forward to chatting with us. So you'll definitely want to not miss out on that one too. Uh, veteran of the game, been through all phases, AFL, NAL of course. So stick around for that. But Jim, I mean, you can stress it as much as you want as well. I can't stress mm-hmm. enough. This is definitely the busiest streak of uh, shows we're going to have since we've started this podcast. Oh, of course. Uh, when, when you're the official podcast of National Green League, when it's championship week and the game's up to the week, you got to mm-hmm. you know push out content. Um, of course, uh, Zach is going to be live in Albany. Unfortunately, I can't be there due to work. Um, but we will be doing something special on game yes. day, most likely a live stream. I'll be on a lo- my location here in Jackson somewhere uh, with good internet, maybe here. I don't know. Um, but we'll give you either a pregame early in the day, depending on what everything goes in such a way, probably uh, grab some coaches again, grab some players again, and maybe the commissioner again. Uh, so, yeah, get ready. It's a big week. Um, this week, next week is going to be huge. And for you Carolina fans, we – yeah, we got Kendrick Ings. Yeah, we got Coach Rezanalo. We might get another player. Um, I have a couple of guys who I really want to talk to uh, with ties with Jacksonville. Um, and we also may just get Bain back. Uh, he's, he was a great guy to interview. We've had a great relationship with Jonathan Bain behind the scenes. Uh, we kind of knew about Jonathan Bain a couple of days before it was announced, uh, but still. <laughs> right. um, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's a big week. It stinks because uh, I started my new job here in Jacksonville. Um, and I'm in my probationary period for another three and a half months. Um, and I can't take any days off. So yeah. my travel limitations, everyone knows about all the travel issues in the United States right now, where you have people fly to locations for vacation. They're getting stranded in cities for extensive hours. Like Zach here coming back from Ireland. He was in Toronto for an extra day. Uh, yeah. I don't want to go up to Albany and, you know, fly to Atlanta or Newark and have to wait 24 hours, get a plane and end up not having a job and get home. So I ain't made a decision, but I can guarantee you this. I can confirm this from my boss today. Next year's, I have like four days off plus the weekend. So I will be going through the NL championship game next year. Nice. Guaranteed. Um, Cause I made sure I get those days off. So yeah, unfortunately I won't be there, but we will have content all throughout the week. We will have contact on Saturday. Um, most likely coaches, whatever, maybe, Whoever the award winners are, we'll try to do it, try and get as much as possible. So, yeah, stick together here on Inside the Walls on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the content leading up to the NL Championship game. Then once the NL Championship game is completed, um, I don't know, we may do another show after that, like post something and do like recap like we did last year, recap the last season, 
the good, bad, and ugly, then we oh, might yeah. take a few weeks off because <laughs> this has been a <laughs> – that, that <laughs> might, might be the case. I mean, NFL season for us is also coming around the corner. So, like, right. you know, you know, I need to get my head in the game. I'm, for those who don't know, I'm a Bears fan. And I end. also – I have other personal news. I know I know we don't like the uh, – well, we did you or the USFL. Oh, sure. Do, do tell. Do tell. Yeah, um. I was asked and joined a uh, upstart podcast called Sports Zone 904, a podcast dedicated to cities, uh, the Jacksonville city, um, sharks, icemen, uh, jumbo shrimp, uh, jaguars, and the local college teams here, uh, Florida State, Georgia, and University of Florida. It'll be a weekly podcast. Uh, go follow it at Sports Zone 904. Uh, we do have some interesting guests already lined up, including. Uh, Devin Wilson of the Jacksonville Sharks will be joining us to talk about his coaching career at Andrew Jackson okay. and about Tennessee, um, about his college days and possibly some stuff about the Sharks. But we'll, we'll strictly is a strictly Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida podcast. And as the see as we go throughout the season, throughout the Jaguars, whatever, it's it's going to be fun. I'm really excited. I've got a lot of things planned for that. Um, it's because of this podcast, because of you, Zach, the guy, uh, the people saw what I did here. They love what I did, how I present this uh, show, the graphics and all. And they say, hey, we want to we want to let's do this show for the city. And it's like, all right, let's do it. So um, follow the new Twitter at uh, SportsZone904. That show will start this Friday, probably next Friday. I don't know yet for sure. Strictly all Jacksonville sports. So if you like me talking about the Sharks. Get used to it on that show. It's gonna be a lot. Of I will definitely like preach the Jacksonville Sharks are in town, but uh, it's, it's something that it's been a project of mine, and now I get to do it with two good friends of mine here in town. So I'm really looking forward to get it going. So follow it at uh, Sports Zone 904 on Twitter, uh, not Facebook yet, but we will be getting there too. So I got two other guys to deal with. They have to agree to do it or not. I'm not doing it all by myself. I'm not doing solo. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. So yeah. So that's my go, personal news. <laughs> well, go go give them a follow, guys. If you for sure, especially if you want. Hey, and look, if you want more, if you want more sharks content beyond the show, you know, because mm-hmm. like I said, we 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 really we try our best to balance it out between all the teams. So if you want a little extra from a guy that we know here on our own, that is diehard Jacksonville, go ahead and do that. Go check yeah. it out. I guarantee or, you, Jim's going to give you a good quality show. I probably you want to see how the fan interaction is with the depressing Jags fans because we'll be doing a lot of that this season. If the season goes <laughs> south, quit. <Right. laughs> oh, geez. Mike, I mean, hey, you never know. You never know. You never know. Just saying, could be some high hopes. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. In the meantime, mm-hmm. though, follow, follow, of course, Sports 094 on Twitter. Follow our show by the way, on our own social at in walls pod. Again, that's at in walls pod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all of those tags, mm-hmm. by the way, we're all, we're, we actually, I mean, it's been an impressive year for us on Facebook, by the way, we've grown, we're, we have over 500, 500 likes, 620 plus follows on there. Um, never thought I'd see that for a pay page. I'd be helping run, but that's, it's been awesome. You guys have supported us a ton and we can't thank you enough. Um, and then go subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching right now and you haven't, Hey, click that bell. It builds morale as uh, our good buddy, the ref has said on other shows that we have done in the past. Thanks. And shout out to Stefan Raychuk for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hit the subscribe button. Cause we've got plenty more videos coming up. You know, if you want to watch the video versions, if you don't want to watch the po- listen to the podcast, check out the YouTube page, get a little more of the personality and uh, look at our ugly mugs and maybe the new uh, facial design I got here, here with my, uh, you know, the goatee look. I'm just I wasn't saying. Gonna say anything. <laughs> I know no one has. No one's acknowledged it. That's the that's the beauty. 
They, they've they all like no. passed by, but they know, they know this goatee's here. No, they know it's, I'm here. not going to acknowledge you. You're not Roman Reigns, my friend. <laughs> I know I'm not, I'm not <laughs> folks. Thanks for tuning in, in for us so far this season. We got tons of stuff going to the championship. I mm-hmm. hope you, I hope you guys are excited as much as I am. I'm excited to go to, and I'm naive. I, I'm going to say it's because it's true. I've been to arena games. I haven't been to an NAL game. This is my first NAL game. I'm going to be going to on August 13th. And I can't wait to meet a bunch of folks down there that I have been wanting to talk to in person. It's going to be a blast. And if you're down there, I hope to meet you too. That's what I'm going to say. I know there's plenty of folks in Albany that listen to the show and those that are Carolina that go down. I hope to catch you because I will be roaming around there. And I can't wait to talk to all of you about this great sport. That is arena football. For my partner, Jim mm-hmm. Renier, I am Zach Common saying so long. Catch you for our next episode, which will be coming soon. Should be that interview with Kendrick Ng. So stick to stay tuned for that and stay tuned for the rest of our slate the rest of this week. See you soon. Mm-hmm.